The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, while their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. This morning I want to speak with you a little bit about change. Change is very hard for all of us. I recall that the, uh, the Bishop of South Dakota, sometimes when he was not out on a visitation on a particular Sunday, he would attend one of the local churches. I had not been ordained a priest very long when one Sunday I came into church and there he was sitting in the congregation. I was very happy I'd worked on that sermon a little extra time. <laughs> but one Sunday he went to church with his wife at the cathedral and they went into the church, uh, found a pew. And just as they were settling in, someone came up beside them and said to him, this is my place. <laughs> He got up and moved, and she took her place. Now, I know that uh, you probably are aware of this, and Nick and I are very aware of this, but it seems that we all have a particular place that we like to sit in church. And, in fact, it's a bit unsettling when I look out in the congregation and I don't see people sitting where they usually sit, and I wonder, what's going on? It upsets the equilibrium in my world. It works both ways. But even as small a thing as where we sit in church, the things that we do on a day to day basis, they become a part of our life. They really form the habits of our life that make it easy to live in many ways. But they also, to some degree, limit us. This morning, we had this uh, very interesting lesson from uh, the book of Numbers. And in it, we hear again from Scripture some of the most uh, 
It's the most vivid language about someone who is completely frustrated with his situation. Moses has had it to the point where he says to God, I'd rather not live if we're going to continue on these terms. Well, the people have had it, too. They say to Moses, we're fed up. We've had all the manna we can eat. We have wandered long enough in this wilderness. Why can't we just have what we had back in Egypt? Now, these are the people who were freed. And you and I know that life in Egypt must not have been that good. But they missed the spices. They missed the nightlife. (laughs) They missed the good things that Egypt had to offer. And that's all they remembered. They just wanted to have the good old days back again. I think that that's an ever-present danger for all of us, for the church, and for us individually, I believe, as well. I know that many times the conversation, not just in this church, but in other churches, will often turn to remember when, and you can fill in the date, you know them, things were so much better. And all of us, especially as we grow older, we look back and we think that things really were better back then. Well, were they? The truth is that we need to live in the present. But it's not enough just to live in the present. I believe it's also important for us to understand that God is always, always calling us into new realities. If we are not changing, we are dead. And that goes for churches as much as it goes for individuals. It is the normal aspect of life that we should change, that things will change, especially as we come in contact with other people and are formed by them. But one of the things that the people in uh, wandering around the desert with Moses didn't realize was part of what was happening to them was that God was forming them. God was preparing them for something that was going to be much greater, much better. But that formation process was so hard for them. And many of them, I'm sure, thought, I didn't sign up for this. Now, that can be the feeling that we get, I think, sometimes as a church is going through a planning process or a church is at a point on the verge of something happening. And I think, in a sense, that is where we are right now. It's sort of a liminal state. We're not what we were, but we're not yet what God is leading us to become. I know that uh, many of you are aware that we've been going through a planning for ministry process, PFM, we called it. And we've been doing that for about two years, and it's been fairly quiet. There have been a, a large number of people engaged in it, and it's touched our lives in ways that I think you might be surprised And in a few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you a report that gives you an idea of where we have come, what has been accomplished, and also to begin to look ahead at where we need to focus and what some of the possibilities are that lie ahead of us. But I think one of the most important things that has come out of planning for ministry so far is a vision statement and a mission statement. And you'll find in your bulletin this morning a white sheet of paper, an insert that has those two on it. And then at the bottom, you find the statement of policy, which is a longstanding policy now at Trinity that talks about our inclusion and how and and what it means for us to be an inclusive community. But first, if you look at that vision statement, it says that 
We are following Christ, living our faith. That's short enough and it's compact enough that all of us can internalize that. And hopefully that does represent how we see our lives and how we see all that we do here, but especially all that we do out there, following Christ, living our faith. Now, the mission statement itself was developed by the vestry based on all of the input that came as a result of that all church meeting that we had here and the small group meetings that were held following that. And there were many, many statements that came together and the vestry went through all of those and attempted as best they could to include all of those in some way in these general categories. And it really, I think, can be a wonderful template for us to use as we make decisions as a parish. But I also think it points the way to where we are headed. And part of that is going to involve change. And that can be hard. First of all, it says that Trinity Church is an Episcopal church. That's an important thing for us to affirm. We're we are Episcopalians. We're part of the Anglican communion. That says something about the way we worship, about our theology, about the way we govern ourselves. But most of all, I think for us, it means that we believe that the Anglican tradition, the Episcopal tradition, has something to offer in this community. It's important that we're here and that our voice is heard. And then it goes on and it says that we are a church that invites everyone to experience the transforming love of God through the grace of Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There are so many ways that that happens in this congregation day after day that I'm reluctant to even identify a single example because there are literally so many ways that I believe that we are living that out. But I must tell you that I think there are some things we're not doing. I believe we're a welcoming congregation. I think that if somebody finds us, we're happy to welcome them. But we're not particularly good at inviting people to become a part of this fellowship. I'll tell you a, very briefly a story. There was someone who came here within the last few weeks and I talked with her and asked her what her first impression was. And she says, do you want me to really tell you? <laughs> I said, yes. Well, she said, I couldn't find the front door. Now, it's hard to become a part of a fellowship if you can't find the front door to the fellowship. So we have some things, I think, to work on in that area. I think it also is important for us to begin to do better in terms of incorporating new people once they are inside the door so that they know that they really are valued and that they do have a place here. Well, the, the mission statement goes on and says the church, it is a church that provides a nurturing environment for our children and youth to grow in their faith. This has been a focus over the last few years that I believe is beginning to come to fruition in this parish. One of the things that we've heard through PFM and we also have heard it from parents is that the schedule that we had on Sunday morning just doesn't work for them. So beginning this fall, we moved church school to coincide with the 10 o'clock service. I think there are people here who believe that when Regina took the cross out at the beginning of the service and five children followed, that that was the church school. Last Sunday, there were 67 children in church school. 
And most of them were in here after the announcements. And it changed the whole feeling of our worship, I believe. To be able to celebrate the Eucharist in the presence of those children, them celebrating with us, I believe is transforming. There were also about 10 of us who were at Grace Church in Newton on Friday evening learning about Journey to Adulthood, a wonderful program that provides a formation in faith and in living for young adults that are from middle school through their senior high years. An opportunity for those people to share their concerns, the issues they're dealing with, and to see where they cross their faith and what faith speaks to those issues. That's going to be an opportunity for all of us to be able to support those that are engaged in that ministry with the young people of this parish. And it's important that we know that it is all our work. It's not just the work of a few who step forward to work with those young people, but it is the work of all of us. It goes on. This church promotes diversity of thought in a safe environment for all people who seek the love of God. I think we're pretty good at being diverse, but there are areas in which I believe we're still challenged. One area in particular has to do with diversity of opinion and thought. I've had a couple of people say to me who are more conservative, perhaps politically and theologically, that they're concerned about expressing how they really feel about things because they think that they would be considered a Neanderthal. And I tried to reassure them that this is a place where you can say what you think and you will be heard. You will be listened to. But I do think it's a challenge for us. That kind of diversity is not easy anywhere. And it's especially not easy now in this United States where we seem to be divided more and more and more. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Trinity was a place where people could come and they could engage in discussion and in dialogue over issues that are difficult and people would be respected in that discussion. I think that's a challenge for us that God is leading us into. It goes on and it says that we are a congregation that values the contributions of every generation. One of the dangers when we focus and bring energy to a particular aspect of the congregation, such as the youth and the young people, is that we lose sight of the fact that there are people here who have made it possible for Trinity to be the church that it is today. Those that have gone before us, those seniors who are present with us in this congregation, we must always be conscious of the fact that they, too, must be ministered to and have a ministry to offer to us. This must be a place that is truly intergenerational, that values every generation and what every generation can offer to the other. This morning, we at the coffee hour, we had a wonderful report from the mission trip to Belize. And it was a group of, of young people, senior highs and adults from this parish who extended their lives to other people, people in need. And it's made a difference in their lives, and I think it's a making, a, making a difference in the life of this congregation. And in a few moments, when those children come in, we will be transformed by that as well. We must celebrate the intergenerational aspect of this parish and emphasize the importance of it to our common life. 
We are a congregation that nurtures our spiritual growth and challenges us to grow deeper in faith while respecting each person's spiritual journey. We're going to be offering a six week uh, uh, small group sessions on connect what it means to be connected in a Eucharistic community, a community that gathers around a table such as this and celebrates in thanksgiving to God. That's just one of many things that have come out of planning for ministry where ideas of members of the parish have come to fruition. And then finally, it says that we are a congregation that reaches out to others in love and service. About a third of our budget goes to ministries beyond the doors of this church, but it needs to be more. We are still not supporting with 0.7%, just 0.7% of our budget the Millennium uh, Development Goals that our national church has asked all congregations to support, to provide funding for programs to the poorest of the poor throughout the world. And we're also not yet providing 1% of our budget as support for theological education. And our seminaries, many of them, are in financial straits. It is our responsibility to respond to that in thanksgiving for the goodness that has come from our seminaries. Well, it's obvious that we are getting closer to the pledge drive <laughs> and the, uh, the whole idea of financial responsibility and all of that is certainly in the air. I think this is a part of our stewardship. It takes money, but it takes more than money. It takes prayer. It takes discerning hearts, open minds. It takes the talents and the time, the gifts that all of you have to offer. And so many of you are offering so freely. That's all a part of what it takes in order for us to be out of the wilderness and to be into that place that God is calling us to be. I think Moses made one of perhaps a number of mistakes that all leaders can make. And one of the mistakes that he perhaps made was in not helping the people mourn the loss of what they left behind in Egypt. Now, as bad as all of that might have been at the time, and as especially as they left, there should have been a point where they stopped and said, we should value those things, some of those things we left behind and mourn their loss. When I came here, I had not observed that myself. And I realized that I was having some inappropriate reaction to things going on around me. And I realized finally that what it was, was that I had not fully mourned. I had not consciously mourned what I had left behind when we left South Dakota. There were so many good things that I need to I needed to let go of and consciously let go of. I think as we move into a time of change. We need to also value what we may be letting go of. We need to value those things that we may, may say were important to us for a time, but we must leave them now and look ahead. I believe that God calls each of us and God calls us as a congregation to not just look back and say how great the good old days were, but rather to appreciate God in the present, to be open minded and to have open and discerning hearts and to hear God's call to us to move forward, to go on into what God is calling us to. 
My prayer for all of us is that we will be able to do that and that in that God will truly bless us. Amen.